Hey, readers and writers. This episode was recorded with Squadcast, a web-based software that records studio-quality episodes from anywhere in the world. Squadcast records at each user's end and then uploads it to the cloud. So even if the call quality wasn't great at the time, the end file is always perfect. So that's a good thing. And it's never lost, which is even better. <laughs> it's a paid service, so there is that. But for me, it's been worth it. If you're in the market for recording software, there's a link in the show notes to get a free trial. Now let's get on with the show. Particularly in Secrets So Deep, because it is a, a memory play and memory, you know, or it's a memory story. I just said it's a memory play, a memory story. Um, and Tennessee Williams plays so much on memory and so much with memory um, in his work that he's, he's someone that I kept coming back to. I tell writers all the time, for any writers that are out there, um, if you want to learn to write dialogue, um, plays are the things you should be reading. Um, you should read as many plays as you can, because of course, that's all playwrights have. You know, we, if you're writing play, you don't get description, you don't get internal character monologue. All you have is dialogue. Hi, Jenny. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Now, before we get into things, I have to gush a little bit and go a little fangirl because I loved your first novel. That was so awesome. Oh, thank you. I love to hear that. So no problem. Gush as much as you want to. Well, I remember I was when I when I stumbled upon it, I was like searching and searching because I have this very specific thing I want to read, which is kind of like fantasy in a rural environment. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to find that. It is hard to find that. You know, like urban fantasy is a whole category, um, like on, on I know. Amazon and everything. Uh, mm -hmm. But there's no like not urban fantasy. So I know. <laughs> that's, that's great. I'm glad you enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, I, I really just it was it was so nice to find that and just like you like you like I don't live in that area, but I've I live have lived enough in rural areas that like I just like I feel like you hit it like that. That was really good. Oh, thanks. So let me tell the listeners a little bit about yourself in case they don't know why the hell I'm gushing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I am a young adult author. My debut novel, Dark and Shallow Lies, is a young adult thriller um, with some fantastical or magical elements to it. Came out mm -hmm. last fall um, in uh, September from Razorbill Books, which is an imprint of Penguin Teen. And my mm -hmm. second uh, book, not a follow-up, but a uh, standalone, but similar in that it's also a young adult thriller um, with some, some magical elements to it. Uh, Secrets So Deep will be out this fall, September 27th, also from Razorbill and Penguin Team. Awesome. And that is just going to be a week or two from when this episode is. Oh, perfect. Yay. Good timing. Yay. Um, so you say they're not connected. Are the universes connected? Question no, mark? no, they're, they're totally standalone books, uh, but okay. they do definitely have a lot of similarities. So if you are a big fan mm -hmm. of one, my hope is that you will be a big fan of, of the second one as well. Um, like I said, uh, you know, Secrets Are Deep is also uh, set in a, a rural area, not quite as remote as Dark and Shallow Lies, but it's set in a small mm -hmm. uh, village um, on the shores of Long Island Sound in Connecticut. Um, and it definitely is a thrill. Um, mystery, very twisty and dark, uh, with some some magical, paranormal, fantastical elements woven through it. So lots of similarities. Awesome. Um, 
Where do you get the inspiration for these locations? Are they places that you've visited or they just exist purely in your mind? They are places that I've visited. Um, you know, it's weird. Like a lot of times I hear writers get asked, like, how do you start with stories? And the answer is usually mm-hmm. uh, characters or the plot comes to me, you know. Right. Um, but for me, it's always been setting. And so far... Um, I, setting is so important, it, isn't it? It is. And, you know, it's for me, it's it's of utmost importance. And those are both places that I, I love and have spent a lot of time, um, which is why I chose mm-hmm. novels there. What's special about Connecticut? Yeah, so <laughs> I, I... Not just in general, yeah, but for you. I love these states. <laughs> um, I grew up in Oklahoma, um, and that's where mm-hmm. I've spent... I also lived a, a big chunk of my life, about 20 years in Arkansas. So I've lived in that part of the country most of my life. But I did spend six summers in Connecticut working at a theater there on Long Island Sound. It's the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center in Waterford, Connecticut, which is kind of mm-hmm. a... It's a a cradle for the American theater is basically what they call it. It's a it's a place that's okay. dedicated to birthing new plays and new musicals and new playwrights and, and musical directors for the theater and all of that. So it's a really special place, um, which was a wonderful experience as a theater student, you know, uh, to be there those six summers. But as mm-hmm. a person from Oklahoma, the thing that was most magical about it was, um, you know, just experiencing that whole different, you know, New England seaside sort of experience, um, which was unlike anything um, that that I had experienced in my life up to that point. And um, so mm-hmm. I, just, I just totally fell in love with with that very particular part of the Connecticut coastline um, and with summers there. Um, and when I started looking for a place to put this seaside theater that I was imagining, that was really the, the place that I knew I wanted to put it. Mm-hmm. What's the part about the story that came first? Like, what's that little dream tidbit that you just had started the story from? Well, you know, I I had a story. Most of my stories start um, with what I like to call seeds, um, because mm-hmm. they're not fleshed out enough to be ideas <laughs> at that point. Right? You okay. Know, like they're not fully formed enough even to call um, ideas or or thoughts. Um, they're just little kernels mm-hmm. and little seeds. And for me, I knew I wanted to tell a story this time um, that was about memory and sort of okay. the, the slipperiness of memory um, mm-hmm. and how things, you know, that we think we remember and it may not, we may not remember accurately um, and things that we don't remember can come back to us um, in pieces that don't always make sense. So that was kind of the seed of that story. It was always going to be a memory story and a story about um, the difficulty sometimes of pinning down um, the reality of our memories. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's so hard to like. I don't know if I look back on something from my childhood. It's I. Yeah, I don't know what part is actually memory and what parts exactly. I made up. You know, there are there are stories we've heard so many times about ourselves as children, um, that sometimes I th- we think we remember them, um, mm-hmm. but then we stop and say, "Do I really remember that, or just have I just heard it so many times that I think mm-hmm. I remember it?" Um, and of course, each one of those tellings and each one of our hearings of it gets colored with the experiences and the emotions and the, the experiences of the teller. Um, so then we mm-hmm. have other people's sort of memories wound up with our own. And, and it's a very complex, uh, fascinating kind of rabbit hole that go down as a writer. Mm-hmm. Now, you work in theater uh, just, I guess, in general, right? Correct? Yeah. Um, I My degree is in theater. I've spent most of my life, um, up until I started writing um, really seriously, working in the theater as a acting teacher and a director, mostly mm-hmm. with high school age students, um, students particularly who were very intent on pursuing a um, 
college degree or professional training in the theater. So it was kind of mm-hmm. a program that we, um, that I liked to describe as sort of like AP theater. Um, so for really serious and dedicated uh, theater kids, basically. Is, is that where you're pulling a lot of your inspiration from your, for your younger characters? You know, um, <laughs> yes and no. It's certainly the reason that I decided to write for that age group. Mm-hmm. Um, I, worked- I imagine you get asked, like, how does an X year old write a 16 year old? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, and a lot of a lot of writers do it really well. And I think people come to that from different places. For me, mm-hmm. that comes from um, I spent about 20 years working with with those kids um, in that theater program. And the, the most wonderful aspect of it was that I had a group of kids that came into my program as kindergartners that I worked with literally up until they graduated um, from high school. Oh, my school. goodness. You got the number yeah, those kids really And in well. some cases, even after, you know, they would come back and do summer shows with us even after they had gone off to college or whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I knew those kids, you know, so well. And we were so sort of intertwined in each other's lives that by the time they got to high school, they would – um, you know, their lives were just open books, um, you know, and, and they were willing to share so much and, and let me into so much, not only to what we were doing together on stage, you know, as as actors and directors, because when you work in that way, you develop sort of a closeness um, that goes mm-hmm. beyond right. what you might develop, say, with your English teacher or your math teacher, you know, or something like that, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of dialogue back and forth. There's a lot of openness. Um, but because we knew each other so well already and we'd known each other, you know, almost their whole lives and um, they were just really generous um, with their experiences with me and letting me sort of be a part of their lives. And when I wanted to write, I knew those were the voices that I heard in my head. Um, those mm-hmm. were the the conversations that I knew and the thoughts that I knew. And I had so much love for those kids and so much respect for their, um, their enthusiasm for their craft and their just intense loyalty and love for each other. And um, that that's what I wanted to bring to the page. Awesome. Um, I had a question and it has completely thrown out of my <laughs> mind. I apologize. That's okay. I have to be all <laughs> Like I'm listening to you and I'm thinking like, yeah, that sounds really good. And like, I'll think this is what I'll ask next. And <laughs> gone, 100% gone. Um, so I'm going to fall back on my questionnaire that okay. I have here in front of me. Um, how much research are you investing in each project before you write it? You know, it depends. Um, there's a lot of research as far as, you know, different, every project is different. Um, for Dark and Shallow Lies, which is set in Louisiana, um, I am not mm-hmm. a Louisiana native. I have spent right. a great deal of time in Southern Louisiana. It's a, it's an area um, that I know really well geographically and culturally, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. But still, mm-hmm. there was a lot of research just into like the specifics of the flora and fauna of the bayou, you know, and like details um, like that, which I wanted to get absolutely right. And for this book, for Secrets So Deep, um, there's some whaling lore and mythology that is sort of woven into it. Yeah. So that's something um, that I enjoyed doing some research on. And I had been um, recently back to that part of the country and had, had been to some some whaling museums and some historical centers and things where I'd heard some stories and some bits and pieces that I knew I wanted to use. Um, Mm -hmm. But then coming back and sort of doing some more research into where those stories came from and the origins of them. And that was a really fascinating thing to research for this particular story. Interesting. Um, I remembered my question, by the way. Ah, okay. Uh, 
you said uh, you were talking about your your work in um, in the theater. And I was wondering what pushed you to write your first novel. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I come from a family of writers. Um, I am surrounded <laughs> by writers. My mother is a writer. She has nineteen um, middle grade novels, mostly historical fiction. Her name is Anna Myers. Oh, awesome! Yeah, and her she um, you know is one also. I wish I grew up in a family like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a really cool way to grow up because you know our our house was full of writers and our lives were full of writers and we had writers mm-hmm. in our homes and she was always going to writers conferences and writers meetings. Um, she was also a, a teacher, a junior high teacher. So, you know, she worked like mm-hmm. three full-time jobs as a, a teacher, a writer, and a parent because there, she had three kids. Um, but I always knew that writing was a job, you know, that it was a thing people did, mm-hmm. people did, um, which was cool because a lot of people Sometimes I think kids see those books on library shelves or bookstore shelves and they think, well, I don't know who writes those, but it's not people like us, you know, <laughs> but, but I knew that it was people like, like us that wrote those. I knew my mom did it and her friends did it. Um, and I grew up in that atmosphere. My, my father was a poet and um, we just grew up with a great love of literature. Even my, my extended family on both sides, all the way, you know, back to my, my grandparents who, who never had more than high school uh, education. They were storytellers. They're born storytellers on both sides of my family. And it was just something I grew up with that love of. And mm-hmm. um, so I always wrote um, and I always loved writing. I always knew I was a pretty good writer. Um, you know, I got a lot of great feedback, you know, especially in high school and won a lot of awards and things. Um, mm-hmm. But theater was always my true love, and that's where my energy was centered and where my focus was. Um, that's but, just another yeah, aspect of storytelling. It was a different, a different aspect of storytelling, yeah. And, and you know, maybe that was because I was surrounded by so many writers. You know, I thought, well, mm-hmm. you know, this is going to be my thing. Um, <laughs> I went to college and, you know, studied theater and did theater. Um, but I always kind of wrote, you know, here and there, off and on, sort of dabbling around and, and playing with it. Then I moved back to Oklahoma. Um, after, at one point uh, to be closer to my mom and my sister and, and, you know, my other family. And I was back, you know, back with those writers, particularly my mother's um, group. She belongs to the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, SCBWI. And she said, mm-hmm. you know, why don't you come with this, uh, come with me to this meeting? Like the worst thing that could happen is you'll meet some cool people you would like. Um, so I did, and I did like them and I started hanging out with them, you know, and the thing about if you're going to hang out with the writers, they're going to keep asking you what you're writing. Um, right. So eventually I was like, well, if I'm going to hang out with these writers, you know, these writers meetings, I might as well work on a book. Um, so I did. And, you know, the, the kind of snowballs from there, that's what happens when you fall in with the wrong crowd. Like, you know, <laughs> I love that you called writers the yeah, wrong crowd. Yeah, right. You end up writing a book. And um, then COVID happened and all the theater that I was mm-hmm. doing shut down, um, which was good and bad. It was, it was bad, of course, that it's really hard for a theater person to be like separated from their art like that. And I felt sort of not creative. And for the first time in my life, I didn't have that outlet and I'm not a bread baker um, and or mm-hmm. a gardener. So I was not going to take up um, baking, gardening or knitting, which is what everyone on Instagram, of course, was taking up. So I thought, well, I better, I better spend this time writing that, uh, writing a book. And that's, that's what I did. So it really came out of all of that. Also, I always tell people, my brother, uh, my younger brother uh, is a poet as well. Ben Myers. Mm-hmm. He several years ago was, became the poet laureate for the state of Oklahoma. And oh, wow. when your little brother becomes the poet laureate for the state that you live in, you really have to step up your game or you start to feel like <laughs> bad. Yeah. I was like, this cannot stand. I've got to like do, mm-hmm. gotta do something. Um, so that's kind of my like half joking, half true answer. But it, it came out of a, all of that. 
With that kind of background, what kind of stories did you read when you were growing up? Oh, you know, I, I read a lot of stuff. Um, as a kid, you know, my mom always used to say, like, because a lot of it, you know, my brother and I both went into the artistic sort of pursuits. All he teaches, mm-hmm. he, he does have a, a real job. Um, he, he, teaches, <laughs> he teaches a real job English rather than the poet laureate, university level. So he's not, you know, like poet. I know you're, it's not like one of those like jobs you can put on paper really well, um, unless you happen to be the poet laureate of your state. Um, but mm-hmm. You know, she used to say, I wish I had gone into your rooms at night and said, you can do a few more math problems before bed instead of you can read a few more. <laughs> um, you know, she was like, maybe, maybe it would have gone differently. Um, but I read a lot as a kid and I've always been drawn to mysteries. I've always been drawn to spooky things. I've always been drawn to the unexplained and the weird. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like uh, when I was younger, I loved like sort of gothic mysteries. Like Rebecca was, was probably my favorite book. Um, you know, when I was growing up and I, I loved all of those sort of very atmospheric, um, mystery stories. And that's funny enough. That's not what I first started to write. The first thing that I sat down to write kind of was a, a YA contemporary sort of issues kind of book. Um, okay. you know, uh, just because that's like what I had seen a lot of. And I thought, well, that's, that's mm-hmm. what, you know, I should try to write. Um, and I did, you know, and it was okay. But then I thought, why, why don't I write like what I actually like to read, um, which is mysteries and thrillers, uh, particularly ones that are very heavy um, in atmosphere and have some sort of a mm-hmm. magical um, undercurrent to them. So that's what I, I completely yeah. agree. That's my, that's my wheelhouse too. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's, and, and, you know, it's, it's funny because, I hadn't even, I don't know why I didn't think about writing them right off the bat because because that's always been my favorite. Um, what are those, what are the hardest scenes to write? Um, I guess, especially in, the, in that first novel, like, do you have like, you hated the middle or just specific scenes or no, you know, I like picking writer's brains. Yeah, like the hardest ones for me to write in, in a particularly because they're, it's sort of a thriller, you know, that unravels very quickly at the end, you know, um, as thrillers mm-hmm. do. The hardest ones that are the most complicated ones to write were the action, like heavy action scenes. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, there's just so much going on and you've got to stop and think, okay, wait, wait, wait. Um, what is going on, you know, just second by second by second, as far as the, just the, just the physical action of the story. Um, there's a fight uh-huh. scene in that story of a pretty intense um, fist fight uh, between two of the boys in the story. I've never been involved like in a physical fight like that. <laughs> um, so I was like, I don't, I had to like, Watch were you like YouTubing like a lot of descriptions fights and <laughs> yeah I was like how does that even work I, I mean because I know I couldn't just write he hit him and then he hit him back and then he hit him again and then he hit right him back, you know I was like you gotta I gotta figure out like what you actually do in that situation so I can put it on paper so for me the action sequences are all and that sort of like physical um stuff is the hardest to write Mm-hmm. Now, how has your writing changed from book one to book two? Have you noticed a change in your writing? Um, <laughs> you know, the, the funny thing is, um, and people had warned me about this, but book two was so much harder to write. Um, oh, than, really? Than book one. Yes. Um, because, you know, when I wrote book one, I was hoping that one day um, I would sell it and someone would read it, but I didn't know that for sure, mm-hmm. you know? So right. I was just going along kind of happily um, in my own little writer world, writing this story. Um, but when I did sell book one, I sold it as a two book contract. So book two was sold before 
you know, existed. Um, it was just the barest <laughs> seed of an idea at that time. So when I sat down to so write, it was like the threat of a deadline yes, constantly. Yeah. I was when I sat down to write book two, I was under this very tight deadline um, to write a book which someone had already uh, bought and paid me a good deal of money for and was working <laughs> on, you know. Um, and so, like as I was writing it, I was getting emails from from you know, like my cover design team and my publicity team, and they were asking questions. I was like, oh my goodness, this is such a a like intensely different experience. And then just kind of meandering through this process, hoping it goes somewhere eventually. So, mm-hmm. so that that whole book too was was such a intense experience for that reason, being the first book written in that way. That it, it all actually now is kind of a blur to me. Um, <laughs> but when I look back at it, when I read it now that you know I've got the arc of it, and I can look back at it and be like, wow, mm-hmm. I, just, I really don't remember writing this. Um, I can see that. There are so many things um, that I discovered in book one that I was able to bring into book two um, uh-huh. the, way, the way that I, I would have hoped if I had been able to pay attention, you know, to like purposefully do it at the time. Uh, so it's good that it worked out that way. But I think it just kind of is a continuation of that that learning curve. You know, hopefully as writers, we, we always kind of step it up as we go forward um, in our career. Mm-hmm. And there are things that looking back on it, I could not have written book one in the amount of time that I wrote. I couldn't have written Dark and Shallow Lies in the amount of time that I wrote Secrets So Deep in. Um, mm-hmm. I just needed to kind of feel my way through that process in a much slower way. So I think for me, the main thing that that I learned or that changed was my um, just the, the telescoping of the process of writing for me. Makes sense. Yeah. I kind of equate it to like a like a musical band, like that first album versus the albums that come after. Yeah. You have a lot more time on the first one. There's a lot yeah. more, I don't know, like rethinking, rewriting, reframing. Exactly. I don't know. There's a lot of re's going on. And really what I what I learned um, very much during that, the first one was how to plot and write a mystery, um, which was mm-hmm. so much more complicated than I you know, had really thought about how it would be um, when I did, mm-hmm. when I picked that to write. Um, so I'm glad I discovered all of that um, slowly through the process of finding my way through Dark and Shallow Lies so that I could come back and do it more quickly um, once I was under deadline for Secret So Deep. When you were done with the first draft of your your first book, who's the first person that read it? Oh, you know, I am I am not a sharer <laughs> by nature. <laughs> like, um, I have I have but a critique. Being group. a writer, you yeah. have to be a sharer. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I have a critique group of really trusted um, critique partners and good friends uh-huh. that um, I share with. So they are probably the first ones uh, that that read it. Um, but they sort of read it in pieces, you know, as we went along. Okay. Uh, my mom read it, although, you know, as a writer and a parent, she's always been very careful about reading and not giving much feedback. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't want to be like mm. her. I would find that annoying. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm giving it to you for feedback. I mean, you know, she, she, she gives me feedback, but she's always been very good, I guess, about not um, giving me too much feedback or uh, okay. pushing it uh, toward the book, you know, that she would write, um, you know, right. I would do it differently or I would do it this way because we're very mm-hmm. different writers. We're very different readers. We, we write in completely different styles, completely different uh, genres, completely different, you know, everything. Um, so probably my critique partners are really the first ones that read it. I would say that up until it was, 
was published, or at least until the arcs went out, you know, to everyone, um, like social media influencers and all of that, probably no more than um, maybe three people plus my agent um, and editor, you know, had read it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, now, you're, you said agent and you did mention that you sold the first one as a two book deal. Uh-huh. Did you try to self-publish first or did you go straight to finding an agent? No, no. I always knew that I wanted to to do traditional publishing um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, like I said, mm-hmm. that's the world that I knew. That's the world I grew up in. So I, mm-hmm. I grew up sort of in that world of, of you know, um, agents and editors and publishing houses. And, you know, I knew that's sort of where I wanted to be. Um, mm-hmm. I also know that I am not a cover designer. Um, I am not an editor. Um, I am mm-hmm. not even a great marketer. Um, so those are, <laughs> those are skill sets that are like outside of my wheelhouse. Um, and I did not want to try to do it all the way that you have to do to be a really good um, self-publisher. I have a, one of my good friends is a wildly successful um, at that. And she does a beautiful job at all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. That is definitely not me. Um, since you're not a marketer, um, how do you market your work? Like what, what do you shoulder from in the marketing <laughs> you know, um, I, I have learned, I have learned a lot about it <laughs> um, much more than I was when I started out. And um, because I, when, when I wrote Dark and Shallow Lies, um, you know, the, the process of writing, you know, was kind of slow. It, it took me a while. But once I got an agent, like everything happened so fast. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got an agent in um, July of 2020. Uh, the book sold in the fall of 2020. So just a couple of months later. And it was oh out uh, 10 months later. So so less. You wow. Know, was, that went really it, fast. It was, it was wild. Yeah. It was 13, about 13 months um, from the time that I signed with my agent to the time that book was on bookstore shelves. Um, so it was very much like a crash course um, in, in what mm-hmm. to do after you've written a book, which is the part no one really tells <laughs> you about. And uh-huh. so I've learned a lot about marketing, you know, and I, I, I try to do jump in and, and do as much as I can. Um, but that's not something that's always come naturally to me. I do love talking to people, you know, and as a theater person, I've, I've always been comfortable and talking to people either, you know, live or uh, recorded or whatever. So I try to do as much of that as I can. And um, mm-hmm. like the social media aspect of it is a part that I've had to really sort of throw myself into, even though it's not something that naturally um, I gravitate to or I'm drawn toward. I know that, you know, right now in this moment, that's super important. Um, and I've actually sort of learned to love it, um, which is something I <laughs> <laughs> I like connecting with readers that way. So, you know, that makes it mm-hmm. worthwhile. Um, do you connect with them, uh, like, I don't know, like places like Goodreads and stuff like that? Or is it uh, just it's like, like Twitter Instagram or Instagram? is my main place right now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook so that everybody's grandmother can find me there. Um, I'm <laughs> Right. And, um, uh-huh. you know, I'm on Twitter where I mostly – Mostly it's a, it's a writer's community on Twitter that I seem to, to interact with and, and get more uh, feedback from more than readers. The main place mm-hmm. I connect with readers right now is on Instagram, and I love that. Um, I'm trying to, to think about starting to get into TikTok because I know there are a lot of readers there. Um, mm-hmm. as all, that, seems, that seems a little overwhelming, so I'm, I'm putting my toe in there <laughs> to see like, how that goes. Not like from a the video standpoint, like I don't mind making videos. It's more like the technology of it that makes me kind of go like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything right. to learn this, but I'm going to do the best I can. Um, I always feel intimidated by the age gap. Like there's like a, there's basically a bunch of teenagers and I'm like, um, I feel like a really old person here. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, that's it, it's funny because um, I, I, I feel that sometimes, but then sometimes I feel that the other way too. I feel like, what am I doing hanging around with all these grownups um, when inside <laughs> I'm still very much a teenager? Like, um, so, so it definitely works both ways for me. Uh, what were your biggest influences in writing these two books? Oh, you know, um, my biggest influences were those gothic sort of novels that I loved um, as a kid, uh, books like Rebecca, particularly um, that, that really mm. left a lasting impression mm-hmm. on me. You know, I can still quote um, bits of that book. And I it just as a kid that the atmosphere of it is what really um, drew me mm-hmm. into that story. Not so much the plot or the characters, but that place. Um, right. I wanted to live and it also your, your theory about memory kind oh, of plays yeah, back absolutely. into that. You're only remembering the best parts. Yeah, 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 yeah. So books like that were, have always been a huge influence on me, in particular these two stories. Mm-hmm. Um, there are playwrights that have been particular influences on me, particularly since I come from that world. Um, Tennessee Williams, mm-hmm. the work of Tennessee Williams is something mm-hmm. that I keep yes. finding myself coming back to you as a writer I, I find my characters tend to speak like his characters yes yeah. I, I very much enjoy his him as, use a, of as dialogue, an writer you know uh-huh. just, and the way you know when I sat especially as a girl who grew up in Oklahoma and then and lived a lot of my life in Arkansas um I I mm. remember sitting in theaters hearing those words out loud and thinking I know these people you know like right um, exactly and, and that's the kind of dialogue that I that was like just part of his brilliance yeah yeah, yeah. I mean so real and so like raw so that Mm -hmm. raw honesty and that realness of character is something I wanted to bring to my work Um, and particularly in Secrets So Deep because it is a a memory play and memory you know or it's a Mm -hmm. memory story it's just that it's a memory play a memory story um, (laughs) and Tennessee Williams plays so much on memory and so much with memory um, in his work that he's he's someone that I kept coming back to I tell writers all the time for any writers that are out there um, if you want to learn to write dialogue um, plays are the things you should be reading Um, you should read as many Mm -hmm. plays as you can because of course that's all playwrights have you know we if you're writing play you don't get description you don't get internal character monologue all you have is dialogue and if you can't put it in the dialogue it's not going to be in the play and Mm -hmm. that's the best way to learn to write dialogue is to sit down and read plays and if you want to write southern characters and southern dialogue read tennessee williams (laughs) yep he was the master um, what are you currently working on right now? Or are you just taking a break? Uh, no, I wish writing? I was taking a break. Um, <laughs> I'm actually under deadline for a project that I can't give a lot of details on yet. Um, okay. so, but it's something that, that hopefully will be coming out. And maybe by the time this podcast comes out, there'll have been an announcement about it. But definitely working on some new things and some exciting things. Um, so definitely a working summer here. <laughs> awesome. Uh, working summers are nice. Um, yeah, you know, you I'd rather in the house, work but... in the summer um, when it's hot and miserable here in Oklahoma. Anyway, right, because like... you can be inside. The... You have an excuse right, to be inside. Yeah, like you want to go out in the summer when it's like 100, like I said, it's 107 <laughs> degrees here. So um, this is the time of, of year that actually I prefer to lock myself inside. <laughs> Not the fall. Let right, me outside, yeah, in, let the me outside fall. in the fall and the spring. And even our winters in Oklahoma, you know, can be 70 degrees one day. So summer is mm. the time to, to lock yourself away and work for sure. No. I, I lock myself inside mostly in the summer and then the winter because I, I am not like it gets, I don't know, negative stuff up here oh, in New York yeah. State. So, yeah, yeah I no. mean, we can get that. But then the next day it's like 65. So <laughs> <laughs> your weather doesn't know when it to do- it doesn't. It's very confused. 
And before we finish up, I know we very briefly mentioned it, but can you just repeat where listeners can connect with you online? Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm on um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, Jenny Myers saying, um, you can look me up on any of those and, and follow me. I, I do. I love to hear from readers. I also have a website. It's Jenny Myers So you can find me there and there's, you know, information about how to get in touch with me and you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, I love to, I love to hear from readers. I particularly um, enjoy hearing, I'm doing some, some book club discussions uh, right now um, with, with book clubs that have read Dark and Shallow Lies. And I'm going to do the same thing when Secrets uh, So Deep comes out. So if you've got a book club that has read or is reading either of those, um, you know, give me a shout out and I'd love to talk to you, but those are the places you can find me. Awesome. And I assume the answer is going to be Amazon, but where's the best place they can get a copy of the book? Yeah, you know, you can get a copy of, of uh, Dark and Shallow Eyes pretty much anywhere um, you get books. So yeah, you, you can order it from Amazon, you can order it from Barnes & Noble, but if you have a local indie bookstore that you love, that would be my recommendation, um, mm-hmm. is to, to walk into your local independent bookstore and pick up a copy because those places are magical. Um, I have yes. some wonderful local indies here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I am. Magic City Books, I want to give a particular shout out to because they they do a lot of work with me and if you go to their website and order um dark and shallow lies or secrets so deep you can actually get a signed and personalized copy from magic city books so if you're looking for that that's something that you like if you're into that sort of thing um hit up magic city and they will set you up awesome well thank you so much for being a guest today oh you're so welcome this is a lot of fun thanks for the invitation Read and Write Podcast is edited and produced by Deborah Zebar. Music was provided by Lo-Fi Girl and can be found at lofigirl.com or on their YouTube channel. Audio effects were created by Red Octopus and Black River Phonogram. Show notes and previous episodes can be found at readandwritepodcast.com. And that's it. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to rate, read, and write on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you have a suggestion for a future episode, drop me a line. I'm always open to suggestions. Also, did you know that Read and Write publishes three episodes a week? Check out the podcast's YouTube channel for Write With Me Monday's live streams and 30-second book reviews on Fridays.